You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Your official station to talk Jets. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. And Jerry, don't worry, it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't All suck. Right, here we go. We do this on a football Friday, 502. It's really now a baseball Friday. The Eddie Scazzeri, what is up? A winning Thursday for your Mets season across from me. Well, not really. He's more like 55 miles away sleeping because he went to a show on Red Bank, New Jersey last night. His name is Al Dukes. He's not here. So uh, we'll see him on Monday. He has the weekend off. He had a big weekend, too, because he had the show last night. Uh, then off today, then Bruce at the Garden tomorrow night. So he needs some time to recuperate, takes today, Sunday, and then we'll see him on Monday. Brian Rascona will join me coming up after the break to do the rest of the hour. He will fill in for Al uh, later today. So Major League Baseball with opening day and so many different things on my mind from yesterday. First of all, a sun splash day at Yankee Stadium and mostly good. I'm going to be quite honest with you, mostly good. And I have a little nitpick that I will get to in a moment, but this has nothing to do with the Yankees. Everything the Yankees did yesterday, for the most part, was outstanding. It was everything you wanted to see. The fact that you got a home run from Aaron Judge in his first at bat, tremendous. Absolutely dead center field, just clobbered the thing. And uh, he's off and running, first home run of the season. Garrett Cole, you know, it's funny. Al and I were talking yesterday about Cole. If you're going to get to Cole like it was Tanaka back in the day, you get him in the first inning. And when he walks the first batter on four pitches, or the second, I think it was first batter, you're thinking, oh, here we go. I'm going to have this stupid first inning from Cole again. But instead, he strikes out the side. He struck out his first, I think it was his first seven, something like that. He was he was terrific. He had the ball moving. Um, he looked like he was in midseason form. And if his pitch count wasn't up, Probably goes longer than the six innings, but he gets the win. And the Yankees saw Anthony Volpe at shortstop. I know he went 0 for 2, but he, you know, he played shortstop. He was good. Everything was fine. And you got a two and a half hour. You know, Boomer asked me yesterday, do I think the game would be over by 3.40 in time to have a little bit of a break and then put the Mets on at 4.10? I said I thought it would. And that turned out to be the case. Two hours, 34 minutes yesterday for the Yankees and the Giants, and the Yankees are off and running with their first win. So that's good. Everything about it was good. The pomp, the circumstance, great crowd. It was chilly, but it was so sunny. It looked great on television. A little bit breezy, so be it. Here's my complaint, and this has nothing to do with the Yankees. So let me be very clear about that. If you're a Yankee fan, I ain't picking on you at all. I have a problem with baseball, and I love baseball. I promise you as much, if not more than most. I can't take the strikeouts anymore. I really, yes, it was two hours and 34 minutes. Yes, you got the home run from Aaron Judge. Sure, Glaber Torres homered, and you had a little bit of fun in the seventh inning with some base hits. But my God, 32 strikeouts? Each team struck out 16 times in that game. 
to at one point, and I'm not, I know I get up early. I know I don't sleep well. I fell asleep and missed the third inning, most of the third inning. And I woke up. I nodded off. I woke up because it's strike three, strike six, strike nine, 16 apiece. It is, I, I don't know. I, I find it at times difficult to watch. I really do. You know, it's two and a half hours. The game moved. The pitch clock, whether you like it or not, it, it works. It does. The game, and we'll get to the Mets because there was a pitch clock issue in the Met game that was just bizarre. I kind of understood it, but at the same time thought it was kind of stupid. Um, we'll get to that in a moment. But, you, you know, you've got these games now where guys are going up and just swinging and missing nonstop. And while you got some big swings in this game and the Yankees did what they had to do and they got the win, that was all good. But it's just strikeout after strikeout after strikeout, and at times it's boring. And I don't know how you fix it because on one hand I'm going to sit there and praise Garrett Cole for being untouchable at times. I mean, really, he had Brand- there was one at bat with Brandon Crawford, and you know they're doing the whole thing about he's married to Crawford's sister and they're talking about the family stuff and a Thanksgiving conversation. All that's fun. Meantime, Crawford is swinging and missing at these 94-mile-an-hour pitches that are up around the letters. He can't touch the ball. Michael Conforto basically whiffing at pitches. I mean, a lot of these guys. And it's just, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird one because, again, if you're a Yankee fan, you see Cole dealing, it's great. If you're a baseball fan, it's like, ugh. It's just too much. It's too much. Now, it helps that the game is shorter, but my God, 32 strikeouts, way too much. No idea how you fix it, but something, uh, I guess it is. It's here to stay. It is what it is. It's home run or bust in a lot of cases for certain teams. Now, in terms of the Mets and Marlins, and we'll get into this too with Rascona, um, a lot, all of this stuff. And then I got a lot of baseball oddities. And, oh, yeah, we'll talk about the Devils and Rangers also because big guy's going to be in here and not thrilled. But that'll be coming up after six. But we will talk Devils-Rangers because that atmosphere at the Rock, I mean, that came through on television like it was a playoff game. So that was really cool. We'll get to that in just a couple of minutes. Let's talk Mets-Marlin. So, number one, you've got Max Scherzer outstanding for five innings. Gives up a few runs in the sixth after, of course, the Mets take the lead in the sixth. There was an issue in the sixth we'll get to in a moment. But how about Brandon Nimmo? Brandon Nimmo and the bullpen. Right there, that would be your summary for yesterday's game. Nimmo gives you all the offense you need. Big hit after big hit. Stabs the 3-3 tie. And the bullpen, after Scherzer gives up the lead, the bullpen comes in, and I mean lights out with Smith, Raley, and Robertson. This was one of those games where you're thinking, all right, 5-3, we're kind of going back and forth. Now, you kind of got the sense, at least I did, when the Mets scored the two runs, took the lead. I'm thinking, this is not going to be easy. You know, they got three innings to go. Scherzer's done. You know, what are you going to get from the bullpen? And I'm thinking, oh, my God, we are set up for we are set up for the fall in the ninth inning, meaning no Diaz, the Mets play well, Scherzer in line for a win, bullpen blows it. This was Ajita free. The Marlins posed basically no threat over the last three innings, and the Mets in a very pro-Met crowd in Miami get the opening day win. I also didn't see this, but at this point in the game, I was listening to it. I wasn't watching it, and I was listening to Howie uh, and Keith Rad on WCBS 880, and they said, I knew the seven line was there. They were, you know, they were shown on TV early. They had a lot of people, which was really cool to see. Uh, not a surprise. But Howie mentioned 
that Steve Cohen was actually in the middle of the seven-line crowd in the stands. That's kind of awesome. That's your owner of the Mets. And I was thinking back, could you imagine had Jeff or Fred Wilpon done that back in the day? Like, Met fans hate them for the most part. Not every not every Met fan, most Met fans despise the, the, uh, the Wilpons. And you almost wonder if they did something like that once in a while, if it would have put them in the better graces of the Met fan. Probably not, but I thought that was very cool out of Steve Cohen. Before I get to Justin Verlander, there was the oddity that happened in the sixth inning. So the Mets are in the middle of this rally where they wound up scoring a couple of runs. You had Jeff McNeil up. Pete Alonzo walks, and you've got a runner. you got first and third, and Pete Alonzo is on first base. Jeff McNeil comes up. It's I think it's I think it's four three at this yeah it was four three because Lindor had the sack fly so it's four three Mets have taken the lead and so here comes Jeff McNeil he fouls a ball off down the left field line so you're watching the game and all of a sudden Gary and Ron and Keith they're like what's what's going on why is the umpire coming out and then Gary's like oh they're gonna reset the clock well no they're not resetting the clock they were calling strike two on McNeil not because McNeil wasn't in the box. Not because McNeil wasn't paying attention, but they call strike two on McNeil because Pete Alonzo took too long to get back from second to first. That's a new one I hadn't heard. I knew about calling a ball if the pitcher was late, calling a ball if the pitcher's wandering around the mound, calling a strike if the batter's not ready at that mark within the the pitch clock that he's got to be ready and makes eye contact with the pitcher. I knew it would be a strike if the pitcher says the hitter decides to just wander around the batting by batter's box and not get himself set. But calling a strike because the guy that just sprinted to second base walks back to first, a little much. That's a little much. I am all for the pitch clock. I think the pitch clock is outstanding. I would like them to, I would say, expand the pitch clock from 20 seconds to maybe 25 seconds in the ninth inning. I think that adds drama. I think that would be kind of a cool thing to do. I know it doesn't sound like much, but believe me, that extra five seconds is a lot. You know, there were times yesterday, I think it was Smith. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was Smith that was kind of looking in. And no, it was Raley. Raley was looking in, and he was shaking off and trying to figure out what pitch. And I'm looking at the clock on the SNY box on the left-hand corner of the screen, and I'm looking at the pitch clock. I'm dude, make make a decision here. You're down to three, two. And then finally he shakes his head and steps back to go into his motion, and all was fine. But I think if you added the five seconds to the ninth inning of the game, that to me would be the perfect scenario. So I like the pitch clock. I'd like to tweak it a little bit. I'm all for it. This to me is stupid. The guy just sprinted from first to second. That seems logical that he's going to walk back to first base in that scenario. Are we really hurting anybody or slowing the game down that much? Now you want to tell me that he is taking a very slow stroll back to first and he's kind of bubbling out towards the outfield grass to waste time. I get it. In this case, he's walking. There was a shot on social media that I found because, you know, even the SNY feed didn't have a great look at it. Not that when I was watching anyway, There was a pretty good shot that I found on social media that shows Alonzo puts his head down. He just walks back to first base. So that is one thing on opening day that I thought was was odd in terms of the pitch clock. I think fixable, and I think the umpire in that case, the home plate umpire in that case, my opinion, 
a little bit overzealous with that call. That having been said, two pitches later, what does McNeil do? Ground ball up the middle, base hit, another run scores. So take that in your face. The other thing from the Met game, well, two other things. They did a nice job getting to Sandy Alcantara, scoring uh, scoring a few runs, or at least uh, getting to him a little bit. Uh, he was a little wild, walked a few guys. But they do score some runs, so that was a good thing. Ver, uh, Scherzer gives it up but does get the win because he left with the lead as they score in the top of the seventh, Smith in the seventh. The other thing about the Mets that's got to drive you nuts, and I heard Sal talk about this at the end, the Verlander injury. I mean, it is unbelievable. The Mets are thin right now with their starting pitching, as we know. You're having this great day, and then you find out that Verlander had this low-grade shoulder strain, and it's his pitching shoulder. And then listening to him, I took two things from it. Number one, he made it pretty clear. If this was August or September and the Mets are in the midst of a pennant race, he's pitching through it, and he's he's just going to – he's going to – deal with the pain or whatever discomfort he has, and he's going to pitch. I do agree with him. It's March 30th, at least it was yesterday. There is no reason for him to push this now if it's going to hurt him later. The one thing we have to remember, as good as these guys have been, are, and can be, they're still 40 years old, and there is a lot of wear and tear on these arms, whether they've had surgery or not. They have thrown a million pitches in their career, and I do think it's the prudent move to – not shut him down, but put him on the injured list. Let's give him a week or two. Let's see where we're at and then kind of ramp it back up so that when we hit, my guess would be mid to late April, he's now ready to go and you've got a healthy Justin Verlander rather than try to press it now and maybe do more damage for later because it makes no sense. The Mets are going to win games. This lineup is really good. Are they the best lineup you've ever seen? No, they're not. I'm not going to sit there and claim that they are. But it's a really good lineup. They're going to put the ball in play. They're going to score runs. And hopefully, assuming Max Scherzer stays healthy, assuming David Peterson stays healthy, assuming that they can get competent starting pitching one through five, they'll win games and they will be okay. But that was the one thing that, didn't ruin opening day. It puts a little bit of a black mark on opening day because everything else was fine. You got the win in Miami. You had a great Met crowd in Miami. You get the big hits. Scherzer are good enough, and the bullpen does not implode. And at least for one day, we don't have to sit there and say, where are the trumpets and Edwin Diaz? Oh, my God, World Baseball Classic. We don't have to worry about any of that yesterday. Yesterday was a good day. Three relievers, three innings, one hit. Knock him dead, and and all is forgotten in terms, for one day, of Edwin Diaz. The one thing that was really cool, if I can pull it up quickly, because I did not realize this. You know, I, I talk about the strikeouts, and the strikeouts are just, they're nauseating uh, across baseball. That's for damn sure. At one point in this game, if I can pull it up quickly, quickly, quickly. Eddie, just watch my fader here so nothing pops up. The... Let's see. He, 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 he. There's the one batter on the Marlins, and I'm blanking out on who it is. It's not Jazz Chisholm. It's not him. I want. I want to say it's a rise. It might be. Um, Kazu is a rise. The guy on the Marlins who only strikes out or swings and misses six or seven percent of the times. That's not right to you. Yeah, he won the batting title last year. Nail. Right, but I'm talking about the swing and misses right now. Yep. It was him, right? So they bring up. Uh, he strikes out in this game in the late innings. And you're thinking, all right, he struck out. But then they bring up the fact that he has struck out, the uh, not struck out, swings and misses the second least amount of times in baseball. It was like 6.5%. Think about that on a day where the Yankees and Giants struck out 32 times. I mean, you want to talk about what a difference in approach and in terms of putting the ball in play. Look no further than him. 
and the rest of baseball. So I thought that was actually kind of cool. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, uh, Rascona will join me. We've got some oddities from baseball as well. Um, By the way, Jacob deGrom, game one, not great, although they did win. And then we also had a new shift that was put into play yesterday. Also didn't work. But I have a question for you, hit or error. We'll get to that and Rascona next. Warm-up show continues. Boomer and Geo at 6 on the fan. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, 523, warm-up show till 6 o'clock. We've got uh, Boomer and Geo. then. Al Dukes is off. He was in Red Bank for... By the way, I gave... Um, you know how this goes, Eddie. I gave him a restaurant recommendation last night, and he took me up on it. That better have gone well. I'll never hear the end of it. All I have to do is probably Google his name and see if he, he uh, left a bad review, but who knows. Anyhow, so he'll be back on Monday. Brian Rascona sits in for him today. Now, Rascona is the guy when we did our show host draft. Is that what we called it? I think a show host draft where we ranked our show hosts. I had you one or two. Yes, so you I'm had ex- me. Uh, I think it was one. one even better. So yep. I'm expecting big things from you oh, geez. over you. the last 40 minutes. <laughs> and I know I know you watched the games yesterday, too, and I got a whole bunch of weird stuff from yesterday. But I just, first things first, am I off base talking about that Yankee game being boring yesterday? Oh, no, absolutely not. I thought the same thing. And it was back, I, I said this to you before, off air. It's like I was back in 2022 again. It was it was strikeout, a home run, and we didn't have, I mean, how, who hit the ball yesterday? Who had legitimate hits? Rizzo. There was not a lot of traffic on the bases. Rizzo, LeMay, you had one late after striking out three times. Uh, um, who else had hits? There was a, that was it. I mean, it, that was Rizzo, well, Judge. LeMay, I mean, Judge, you, Judge did, did what he does. Run. Well, he had the home run, right. But I'm thinking, aside from, aside from the home runs, we didn't see any real base hits. And the Giants lineup the Giants. stinks. Plus, like the San Francisco Mets, you got uh, Flores, you got Conforto, you got J.D. Davis. I'm watching that. I see Conforto and the two-hole guy hasn't played in two years, yeah. had shoulder surgery. From a team who had all this money and was going to pick up all these free agents, they wound up with nothing. I mean, Jock Peterson in the four spot, that's it. I mean, the team is putrid. And, and uh, Logan Webb on the mound, ugh, it was gross. Well, Webb wasn't terrible. I mean, he wasn't. I mean, no, he I, was fine. I guess not. No, I mean, he had a ton of strikeouts. Out a bunch of times, had too. a ton of strikeouts. You're right. 32. Right. Really, the number is absolutely amazing, 32 strikeouts. All right, so let's get to some of this weird stuff that happened yesterday. First things first, I don't even know. You Met guy or Yankee guy? Oh, Met guy. All right, guy. All right good. Yeah. So let's start there. So 36 years in a row, opening day. I'll be there next week. You weren't there yesterday. What opening day at home? Home well, you could have been in Miami. Oh, what else okay. are we doing? All right, let's get crazy. Mister, I'm going to Vegas today. I'm not. Oh, you're not. I'm Canceled. Sorry. I can't <laughs> go to Vegas. Who, who's uh, this was for bachelor just, party? Jastrzemski's bachelor party. That's right. So everybody's out there, and I'm not. I had to cancel it, unfortunately. Who from here is there? 
Uh, Fleegs is there. Lou Gower is there. Rosenberg is there. CeeLo uh, is there. For- Presti went? Yes. Formerly, wow. formerly of WFAN. Carver is there. Uh, I think that's it. That's a heck of here. a party. And I was supposed to be there, but I don't yell. Like and I you said. blew it. I can't, yeah. Well, not really. My, I do play-by-play for the Junior Islanders. They're the Islander developmental team, and they made the Deneen Cup finals. And I've been the voice of that team for four years, so I can't miss the final. I understand. You know? All right, so some of these other things. So you're a Met guy. So how about, did you catch any of the DeGrom start yesterday? I did not. I didn't see any of it. So he obviously they're in Texas. They they beat the Phillies because their offense was unbelievable. Here was Degrom's line. This is fascinating because all we saw yesterday leading into his first start was how dominant he's been on opening day. And I saw you know I followed some of the guys from the fan in Dallas on social media, and I forget which one it was, but one basically posted. If it wasn't the fan, it was the other sports station in Dallas. One of them posted, "Here's Degrom on opening day." lock up a win, essentially. Like, he's going to be lights out today. I mean, I understand that. He's the best pitcher in baseball. 100%. Right. Then he goes out there and gives up five runs on six hits and three and two-thirds. Ooh. (laughs) Yes. Now, he doesn't factor in the decision because he didn't go five innings, but he was bailed out. They had like a, I want to say it was like a nine-run inning, an eight- or nine-run inning in Texas. I wish I could say I feel bad for him, Jerry. Well, and that's... That's kind of the point. He's going to pitch well. I think they're going to. Be, I really do think they're going to be a good team this year. Poor Degrom. But yeah, how about that, Mister Opening Day? Was healthy enough to go out on Opening Day. You're a Ranger fan. You're probably packing the ballpark. We got Degrom, and he goes out there. The only he, time they pack the ballpark and he poops all year. The bed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. good for you know, good for us as Met fans. Well, I mean, listen, there's no good for anybody until you see how the season plays out. But I thought for a guy that like has just dominated day one. Nothing yesterday against an NL East team, too. Towards the end of the year last year, though, you saw him in the playoffs. He didn't have his DeGrom stuff. No, he didn't. And you wonder if it's still going to spill over now Now that he got the big payday. I don't know. I don't I don't see, see I that. I think the opposite. I think he's going to pitch every fifth day because he got the payday. Correct. I was just about to say, I don't see that coming from DeGrom. I don't see, I mean, I see him being, you know, the stout professional that he is going out there and earning his paycheck every week. I I'm, really do. I'm, Unless I'm, he's injured, who, you know. Who that's knows? actually a trip I want to make. I want to. I know. I, I heard you talking about it this week. The trip I want to make this summer. I want to do Houston and Texas. I want to go to Galveston Beach, stay there for a couple of days, go to an Astros game, and then go to Arlington, which I know is brutal for my wife. But we'll go to Arlington for a Ranger game if we can line it up with the. Assuming he's healthy, because again, who the hell knows? That changes from day to day. You should work it out in September when you're doing the Cowboys. I've thought of that. Right. That's not as easy as it sounds. Okay. Because school starts. So it'll right. be more like, you know, it would be good August when they have preseason. Well, you got Rosh Hashanah. You could do it over Rosh Hashanah weekend if they're home, right? The kids are off? No. Okay. I don't believe so. Okay. Well, not... I'm just saying, if the kids are I, off. I'm better off in August for a preseason <laughs> Cowboy game. If that would all work itself out, that's the trip I would like to make this it summer. It would be a scorcher down there in August. Yeah, but you know what? So what? Okay. I mean, you're not, if we're doing anything outside, it would be at a water park, I would think, right. or a pool. It's not right. like I'm going to go sightseeing in August. I've been there enough times. And in Galveston Beach, you'd be outside by the ocean anyway. So that's what I like to do. Number two. Did you catch Adam Wainwright yesterday? So I did, actually. I was recording it in the newsroom in case they wanted to hear it today for the show. Um, I did. I didn't think I didn't think he was I didn't so think it was really bad. I thought it was referencing okay. is Adam Wainwright, who's uh, his last season, which is like year thirty five for him. Yeah. Um he sung the national anthem to open the season yesterday in St. Louis. And I agree with you. I don't know if he thinks he's a country singer or that's what he I don't know. It was pretty good though. He carried the note. Okay. It was okay. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I don't think it was much. great, 
But no. I thought it was okay. No. And you know what? Kudos to him as much as I hate to say it, being a Met fan. You know, the, still the, the third strike on Beltron irks me still. Think but, about how long ago that was. Yeah, I know. 2006. We're in 2023. This guy's still pitching. Oh, he's like 105. And how old the, is he? Uh, well, he's got to be around 40, I would think. He has and to be. 41. And Beltron. 41. And 41. Beltron, think about where his life has gone. I mean, he's been manager of the Mets for yep. like two minutes, not the manager of the Mets, embroiled in that Astros. You know, the Astros first, fiasco. That Astros crap that went on. Yep. And now he's making his way back. And then this guy is still out there pitching. I like I said, kudos to that. And the Cardinals, the Cardinals are that team that's always good. They're always. always a good team. They're like the Steelers in the NFL. They're always good. It doesn't matter. They're always good. They figure out a way. It doesn't they lose guys, they'll lose Carpenter, they'll lose this guy, that guy, and the other guy, they'll lose Molina, and they'll be right smack in the middle of the center. Well, it's like the other day we were going through some like NFL. We were talking about uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and Favre, how they've gone from Favre to Rodgers, and they really haven't Seamless. Yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been great. Now yep. they now it's like Jordan Love. All right, we'll see. And it's like, well, you know what? At some point, the war, the tide's got to turn. And then we were, me and Al were talking about, you know, it really doesn't, though, for some teams. And we brought up the Steelers. And okay. then we went and looked. It's like in the last 30 years, they've had two seasons under 500. Two. And it's unbelievable. So, and then you sit there. And, and only at, a handful of coaches during that whole time. Well, and that stability is, I, I do believe, a big part of it. But also, they pick good players. I mean, yes. that's, that's a big part as well. But then you look at other organizations, to your point, it's like the Jets can't seem to the have Jets a couple of years. Right. They'll have a couple of years with Rex. Things will go well. They'll have one good year with Mangini. Then things fall apart. One good year with Todd Bowles. Things fall apart. And they just, they, it's like they're running in mud where these other organizations just seem to get it right year after it, year. It's a testimony to who runs the organization. Pittsburgh's the Roonies, and here we got Woody Johnson. I think it's just, I think it's just a testament to who runs the organization and it, how good they are. See, it's funny because you can certainly make that case. I'm not going to – I won't argue with you too much. People said that about the Mets too. And the Mets in 2015 found their way into the World Series. The Mets found their way into the playoffs in 2016. I get it. That ownership things you always say, the, the, the head down. I understand all that. But at the end of the day, isn't it really about, to me anyway, the messaging from the – you need the players. But the messaging from the manager or the head coach to me is like 90% of it. Assuming you have the players. Okay. Again, assuming you have, if you put out crap, you're going to be crap. Right. But if you've got good players and you give me a terrible head coach and a really good head coach, you could have a team that's got the same allotment of players and one team could go 7-9 and nine and the other team could go 13-3. and three. I think the Giants are a perfect example of Agreed. that. Agreed. Perfect example. You know, you, you, you get rid of uh, Judge, you bring in Dable, and look at the team now. And essentially the same roster. Be- and with nobody on that roster. I mean, we had no-name receivers. There was no – I mean – Aside from Saquon and Daniel Jones, look how good that team turned out to be. Now, they didn't score a ton of points over the year, but still, I think the coaching had a huge part of it. Uh, Wink Martindale, you bring him in. I mean, it was just, I think that's, and then you look at the regime prior to that, and it was a disaster. And the Giants couldn't put a, the Giants couldn't get past 10 points in a game for eight weeks straight. Yeah. So. And then you think to me, like confidence and mindset. Like in a lot of cases, I think, and again, this comes from the top down. If you believe in what that guy is selling, and showing you and proving to you, I think you, I actually think you play harder and you play more confident. Absolutely, culture change. Yeah, I think it was yes. And absolutely. some guys got it's like New England. People will say, "Well, what's going on with Belichick?" They're not good. The only sport where I would say it's more, it doesn't have, it has less to do with that is obviously the NBA. I think I think you could get a culture change with the personnel you bring in from a player standpoint rather than a rather than a coach standpoint. 
So you mean if you bring the stars in, they can... Correct. Agreed. I do think there's other ways to... Like, the Nets are not winning a championship anytime soon now. I do like Vaughn. Understood. But Vaughn has been very good, and he's got a group that are young, hungry, and they've kind of bought in. And they're a good team. They're not a great team. They're a good team. And I think that's... That's kind of to that point. When I do the coach, when I have the coaching segments, when I run the uh, the Nets broadcast here on the fan, I listen to Vaughn and I just love the the message he gives to the he tells the players. Big big defensive guy, which I like, mm-hmm. um, and he just the way he communicates with everybody. I, you could tell he loves his job. You could tell yeah. he loves being an NBA head coach. I think there's two, and I like that. I, I think the Nets should not get rid of him. I think they should hold on to him. You have two. There are two types of head coaches you need. If you're going to have the superstar-laden team, you need a coach with clout that can stand up there and run the show. And, I mean, they're, listen, they're going to talk back, but you can yell back at them, right. and you're not going to have a big blow-up. It's why I think Phil Jackson worked in Chicago so well, because they won. Oh, it wasn't, wasn't the triangle offense? Well, it was Michael <laughs> Jordan. But, he, but, but it also works. So then you go to L.A., it's like the guy won how many championships? Kobe and Shaq will at least respect him. So I think you need the coach with clout if you've got superstars. And then if you've got a young group, you need a coach that coaches. I, and I think that's why it's working right now. It brings the boys up. Yep. Yeah. I agree with that. Oh, there's no question. All right, we'll take a quick break. 535. We still have about 20 minutes to go. We'll get your Boomer and Geo. Still have a whole bunch of things uh, to get to, including that shift story I want to bring up to Rascona and a question for him. Also, Shohei Otani, worth it or not worth it? That's going to be a big question coming up soon. And, oh, by the way, if you didn't hear, the Devils beat the Rangers last night 2-1. Just saying. 535, coming right back on the fan. Pretty clear who's at the controls. 541, nice to have you with us on a Friday morning. It is the warm-up show with Al and Jerry. Today it's Rascona and Jerry. Al with the day off. Uh, a couple of other things from baseball from yesterday. So I want to ask you this question. I, I keep doing the. We'll get to the shifting in a second. This is more in terms of finances and baseball and what could be coming. So Shohei Otani goes out last night, gives you six innings, strikes out ten, doesn't factor in a decision as the Angels lose. They stink. They lose again. They lose to the A's 2-1 on a day where Otani pitches and hits and Trout's healthy. They lose 2-1 to the Angels. So here's my question to you. Everybody's sitting there theorizing, and this this can go back to the Mets and the Yankees. You can apply this to any starter in, in, in Major League Baseball. This isn't 1950 anymore where the starters go out there and pitch nine innings, and they have every bit to do with whether you win or lose. Otani goes out there, gives you six scoreless innings, a bit wild, fair enough, but he strikes out ten, he's doing great things. We all assume Steve Cohen's going to make a run at him next year, and people think he's going to make $80 million a year because he pitches and hits. I think the Dodgers make a run at him, though. I'm sure I'm sure they will. I mean, yeah. who, maybe the Yankees will, too. Who knows? But let's get back to starting pitching. Why are we paying these guys $40 million a year when they don't even factor in decisions? Like, the idea that even Max Scherzer got the win yesterday. Max Scherzer left that game tied. Now, I know because of the rules and the Mets score for him in the top of the seventh, he's the winning pitcher. He left tied. And we pay these guys like they go out there and they give you nine innings, two-run ball, and I don't. I, I never understood why they get the most money. And, and, and it's not like if you get a great performance, the win is locked up. It's, it's not. It's not even close to locked up. 
Right, but they keep you in the game. If you have a pitcher, starting pitcher, if you have a garbage starting pitcher that's going to start for you because you don't want to spend the money on starting pitching, you're setting the tone. You're setting yourself up for your there's baseball two different team things to here, start. But there's two different things here. That's, yes, you're 100% it's right. The, it's the most important position on the baseball diamond. Except similar that it, to like except the quarterback not, position though. in football. Except that it's not. I believe that they the starting win. Okay, but What's I believe. Jacob DeGrom's record? Well, if you had Tyler McGill starting yesterday, would it have been tied? I have I, no idea. Right. I don't know. Well, all right. Good. Yes. But I it, I, you have a better chance of Tyler McGill getting smacked around for seven runs in the first three innings than you do Max Scherzer, who's a bona fide yeah, Hall Tyler of Famer. Ma- yeah, okay. If Tyler McGill is your one starter lining up against Sandy Alcantara. Right. What I, I'm not saying you don't need good starting pitching. That's not what I said. Okay. What I said is why are, why are they the top paid players in the sport? That's what I'm saying. Because I believe that starting pitching is your most important position on the baseball Okay, the Yankees have Garrett Cole. They win last season? No, but they went to the ALCS. Garrett Cole pitched 200 innings. He was one of seven pitchers in Major League Baseball to pitch 200 innings. But the guy's guy's an animal. And he's there every game. I'm not saying you're not wrong. Right. He still throws to an ERA of three and a half. Not two and a half. Not one and a half. Three and a half. He's giving up. Three and a half runs a game. It's not like he's shutting you out for seven innings. And then when he comes out of these games, the games aren't, they're not even remotely over. Again, I'm not saying you don't need great starting pitching. I understand. I agree with you. I don't get why they get paid the amount of money they get paid. They get paid. They pitch once every fifth game. And if it ain't good, you get a good start once every 10 games. If you said, I get it, you need good starting pitching, then that's your answer right there. That's why they're getting paid all that money, because you need good starting pitching, good. just like you said. But do you But do you? And you need it in you October. Need... You're paying these guys. You're How'd not paying work? Max. All right, hold you're on. Not paying How'd that work last year for the Mets? Well, listen. It didn't work out very well, did it? it? They fell flat on their face. Because Scherzer and DeGrom stunk. Yes. Okay. Yes. So what they get paid but for DeGrom, then? But you're, but you're not... But because what? DeGrom fell flat on his face still doesn't... It still doesn't mean he's not the best pitcher in baseball. He's still the best pitcher in baseball. We were just talking about I love DeGrom. Didn't want to see him go anywhere. Right. But at the end of the day, you're getting paid to do what exactly? Just to keep us in games? Correct. Well, I can do that with good starting (laughs) pitching. Right, but you need good starting pitching. In order to acquire good starting pitching, Uh, you need to spend the money on starting pitching. I'm disgusted by starting pitching. I mean, listen, I understand you're, you're talking about workload versus their paycheck. They don't have a huge workload. They're not make. They're not earning their paycheck. Are not earning the forty five million dollars a year that they that they're getting paid for. But the position itself is so important to keep your team in a game to start your game. You, like you said, your words not mine. You need good starting pitching. Good. If you don't have good starting pitching, good starting you're going to be up S's Creek without a paddle, I, like the Detroit Tigers. But no, but, uh, no, no, time out. The Detroit Tigers don't even have a lineup. Right. Well, that's a minor league. Base, that's a minor either. league baseball team. Okay. But I, to, what, I guess where I'm going is they're not spending it, the money. Wouldn't it make <laughs> more sense to have five solid starters? And a better lineup of position players making more money that can do more damage offensively than have two guys making eighty million dollars and then fill it in with the other three. That's your philosophy. When Jerry Recco becomes a GM of a major league baseball team, we'll see it actually come to fruition if it actually pans Maybe, out. Maybe, but <laughs> you get my point. I get your point. And you're you're basically juggling workload. Compared to how much they get paid, they don't have a huge workload anymore. It's the, not like these guys are going. Seven would you or eight agree? Innings. The Astros were fantastic last year. Yes. Okay. Justin Verlander, how would he pitch in the postseason? Great. Like, the playoffs, terrible in the World Series. Terrible in yes, the World Series. Awful. And yet they won games. Right. But you, why? Because because you could argue also the fact they wouldn't be there without Verlander during the whole season anyway. Okay. Fair enough. He was he was good. Yes. Did he pitch nine innings? No. Did they have a good bullpen? 
Yes. That's a part of it. I agree. If your bullpen you is need not a good outstanding, bullpen your starting pitching is right. irrelevant. You need a good bullpen, too, and you need to pay those guys as well. That's you why were, Edwin Diaz got the pay, got the payday he got. Uh, and like you want to talk about... But, okay, but you want, he only pitches... 20-something million dollars? Yeah, and he only you pitches one case, inning a night. He's more important than the other guys because he, he could be out there four out of every six but nights. But to your point, he's getting paid a boat, boatload of money to but pitch one like inning that, every now and then. But every game. Every game, you rely on him. These guys, I mean, my God, we sit there and applaud a guy that makes 25 starts You don't rely on Edwin Diaz every game because if the Mets are up Four out six of every to six. Two, right, right. Four yes. out of every six. Yes, You roughly. need him out there. Yes. Four out of every seven. Correct. A hell of a lot more than the starting pitcher. A hell of a lot but more you than the But you need that starter pitcher. every fifth day. You need him every fifth day to go in there. Like Garrett Cole does every 30... fifth day, go okay, great. and he's out there every so, day. You can hang your hat that Garrett Cole's going to be out there every fifth day for that New York Yankee team. But not, winning. And but not winning every fifth well, day. Well, you can't guarantee you win in any sport. No, but you see, again, I feel like my point's being lost. I'm with you that you need really good starting pitching, but I don't, I'm not with you that they should be the highest paid players in the game. This is a cross. They shouldn't be. I, I'm sorry. In my mind, you need good starting pitching, and that starting pitching position is the most important position on the baseball. How's the Phillies starting pitching? Good. It's good. It's mm-hmm. not great. It's good. It's good. It's good. Where yes. were they last year? They were in the World Series. Why? Their offense was outstanding. I think it was a combination. It was a good balance. Yes. Yeah, it was a good balance. They caught fire at the right time, which can happen in baseball. Right. In the, it, especially in the postseason. There's examples Same all Same way the, the Mets place. fell off the face of the earth at the end of the season and got swept by the Padres. Uh, real quick, so I don't want to I keep uh, bringing this up. Did you see what Let's this— Let's agree to I wanna, disagree. <laughs> no, I win. Okay. Um, the, the Royals, so the Royals used this shift. Uh, against Joey Gallo yesterday. Did you see this at any at any point? Is this where they moved the center fielder over to shallow I right? Think it, yeah, it might have been the left fielder or the center fielder, whatever right, it was. Right. Played. They call it the rover outfield position. Yeah, it's like the Bill Belichick bending the rules now. Yes. This is what we're going through. So Gallo hits a base hit, which should be a base hit, into shallow right field. The outfielder then on his transfer drops the ball, Gallo safe at first. Hit or error? That is an error. All right, so that's I'm going to base it. I'm going to ask you this question now. Correct. That's how they scored it. Yeah. Now I'll ask you this question: Regular lineup, guy hits a line, a screaming line drive to right field. Mm-hmm. Regular left fielder, regular center fielder, regular right fielder. Right fielder comes up looking to fire to first, drops the ball, hit or error. Catches the ball on a this hop. This is a base hit on a hop. Catches the ball. Loses it on the transfer uh-huh. to try to throw to first. Looks like he's going to have a chance. That is a base hit. Why? What's the difference? That they're is a, both, because they're both a, in right field. Yeah, but it's a way tougher play to it's a way tougher play to make. It's almost the percentage of that right fielder making the play to first to throw him out at first is very is minimal. That's but why I, it's a base screaming hit. Screaming right, but it's a screaming line drive. I get it. I understand that. But for him to pick up the ball and throw to first all in one motion is the percentage so the of him depth making that for play. You. Is yes. the big is the, the percentage big of him making that play is minimal. 10%. And we always see it. I, I saw it in Tampa a couple of years ago. It doesn't happen often. Yeah. But once in a while, you get a guy that tries to throw the guy out at first. I just thought it was interesting that that's not an infielder that's, you know, five steps in the outfield. That's the legit outfielder out there on right field. I mean, the poor guy can't buy a base hit. And that's so it was. So it was a. They, call, they scored an error. They As scored I said, an, yeah, okay. they just scored an error. Okay. But my thought was if that's just the regular right fielder, I think it scored a hit. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I, I would because again, I think the scorers when they take they, when they take errors and hits into consideration, I think at least for me when I score, I still play. I play eighteen and over men's league baseball, and I'm I run the book. 
I still take into, when I rule a hit or an error, I take into account how hard the play is to make in the field. Official scoring in your future. Uh, <laughs> did you see the man in Los Angeles propose to his girlfriend I, in the outfield? I did, and then get mauled. That's one of the greatest tackles I've ever seen off a football field. <laughs> I mean, it was unbelievable. And he was down on one knee. I don't think he, in his periphery, peripheral, if I could speak, peripheral. Is that right? Am I saying that yeah, right? Yeah, go with it. Okay. In his vision. In his vision. I don't think he saw him at all because nope. he was, like, wiped off the face of the earth. It was unbelievable. Do we know if she said yes or no? You know, I could I try to figure that out, and I don't know if he said, if she be... said yes. I hope she did for his, for his sake yeah, after getting it... arrested. If she said no, think about that night in prison. Um, thank God, forget it. I mean, he's in jail. Might have lost the ring. Right. Don't even know because if that thing went flying, I imagine. Well, give if it she back says no, him. it could be a blessing in disguise, right? Depending. Right? <laughs> Who's listening right now? <laughs> Run! <laughs> that could have been the best thing that happened to you, buddy. <laughs> no comment. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up. Uh, Devils beat the Rangers. If you didn't hear, two one. Devils beat the Rangers two one. We'll talk to Boomer coming up in just a couple of minutes. Um, we've got uh, Boomer and Gio at the top. Right now on Odyssey Sports Minute, Amy Lawrence, the pitch clock, opening day. Let's talk. It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry, the superheroes of WFAN. Right, got a couple minutes left. we got the Boomer and Gio coming up in about a minute and a half. The uh, Mets and Yankees won an opening day. Devils beat the Rangers last night. 2-1. Also found out um, Julius Randle out at least two weeks, then be reevaluated. That's a problem, by the way, for the Knicks, because that means who knows when he's back, and you get the playoffs a few weeks away. We'll see if they can win without him. One other thing that you brought up during the break, and you're so right about, is the pitch clock on the screen. So, like, the Yes Network didn't have it up. I don't think for the entire... It bothered entire, me yesterday. Like, if you're going to sit there and hit us over the head with the Yes app, <laughs> right. can you put the pitch clock up? It shouldn't be that hard. It made me think it. something was up. Like, they almost, like, um, you know, the rule is not going to be enforced. That's what, it, no, that's what I thought. they're going to enforce this thing. But I, if I don't see the clock on the screen, I felt like they were doing it for a reason. They were so keeping it from us. Maybe if you don't see it as a viewer, you don't think about it. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I suppose. I was I just, talking about that with a buddy of mine. I'm like, notice that the clock isn't on the screen. I find that odd. I found it. Now, you don't have the play clock in football on the screen either. Except when it gets to like five seconds, sometimes they'll flash it on the right, screen. Right, But that, to me, is something, if you're yes, you got to put it up there. Especially as a viewer, it's been such a big topic all offseason. Well, I, that's, that's, that's why I was like, something's odd. Why, why, you, would, you would think they'd be shoving it down our throats, this pitch clock, and we didn't see it. And then even with SMY, they, I don't think they put it on until the fourth or fifth inning yesterday. See, I, didn't, I listened to the first three, but when I got to the game, it was there. Okay. So that I'm not 100% sure about. I watched it from beginning to end, and I didn't see it till about the WFAN-FM. WFAN-FM HD1, New York. Always live on the free Odyssey app.